Thank you, Sam. It's great to be here. Exciting to look at the Word of God and what it has for us. I don't believe that you're here by accident. I don't believe that I'm here by accident. I believe there's a purpose for our lives. And I believe that purpose is greater than we can even imagine or think. That, that we were created by God to be loved by God. We were created by God to love. When I come to preach, I pray three things, and I appreciate your prayers as, as I speak today. One is that I'd get out of the way. I was, I was thinking the first sermon that I ever did at a church I did when I was 19 years old, I had been playing basketball, I was on a mission trip, and they said, why don't you speak Sunday at a church? And uh, I'm going to do all the math, but it's been a lot of sermons over the years. But you never get past the fact that there's, there's some nerves when you get in front of people, right? You want to do well. But it isn't about us. It's about the Lord. And we want the Lord to speak. The two other things that I pray is that what is said would be true to the Word of God. It would be true. This is not helpful just to, to give people fairy tales and things that aren't true. That what is said will be anchored in the truth of God's Word. And the third thing is that it would be spoken in such a way that would convey love. Love for the folks you're speaking to. That they would have a love for one another. I, I wanna, I'm going to go to various passages. A lot of times I'll walk through a passage of Scripture when I preach. Today I'm going to go with several passages of Scripture. The key one I want to look at is Hebrews 10, 24 through 26. Some of you heard this passage. It's really important. It says, let us consider, let us consider, so let us think about, let us consider how to stir up. We don't have to create love. We need to stir it up because God is a God of love and that love pours in our life when we put our faith in Christ. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. But encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near, the day of Christ's return. So what he's saying is we need to gather together. We need to be in the habit of gathering together to what? To spur each other on, to love and good deeds. We, can, we need to be considering how we do that. Oftentimes, we read Scripture and reflect on it, but, but we don't reflect long enough to really change the habits of our life. When you get together, when you get, get ready to get together with other people, do you think about, do you consider, how, how can I spur someone on to love and good deeds? Where does that love come from? If we're going to be a loving church community, if we're going to love the world that we're placed in, where does that love come from? Well, in 1 John 4, 19, he says, we love because he first loved us. And if you're here and you haven't yet put your faith in Christ, that's the first step. You see, I believe that we're not here by accident, as I said. We, we didn't evolve from nothing and are heading to nothing. A purpose of our life is, is not merely survival of the fittest, that we were created to love and to be loved. But, but something's gone wrong with humanity, and that is they sinned and rebelled against God. And as a result of that, our relationship with God 
is broken and our relationship with one another damaged. And Christ came, being fully God and fully man, and he died in the place of all who would put their faith and trust in him so that they may restore their relationship with God and love one another as we're truly meant to love. Do you believe that? If not, I ask you to consider how much different life would look. This is so important. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians 3, 14 through 21 has this prayer. He says this, For this reason I bow my knee before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints and the scripture saints and a special class of Christian. If you, if you read in Ephesians, those are those who have put their faith in Christ. Comforted with all the saints, what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. That's one of the landing verses for me when I go to church is to talk to pastors and leaders to remind them how deeply they're loved by God. We don't serve, we don't share, we don't do anything to try to earn God's love. We do it out of God's love. That makes a huge difference. I, I, I go around and I, a lot of people seem to understand that God loves other people. But they haven't really thought about the amazing thing that the God of all creation loves you and the depth of that love. So love is so important in Scripture. Matthew 22, 36 through 40. Teacher, I'm going to ask Jesus, Teacher, which is the great command in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first command. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commands depends all the law and the prophets. In Luke chapter 10, 25 through 37, it says, And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, him being Jesus, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly, do this and you will live. 
But he, the lawyer, but he desiring to justify himself said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Did you catch that? What you have to do, you you got to love God. You got to love others. But the lawyer tries to justify himself. Oh, 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 how great it would have been if he would have realized you can't justify yourself. We can't love as we're called to love. We can't be who we're called to be on our own strength. We're sinners both by our, by, our, by our natures and by our choices. We need the grace of Jesus Christ, right? What if he would have just said to Jesus, I need your help, I can't do it. Can't love the way I was called to love. But, but instead, to try to justify himself, he says, who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. That's about 18-mile journey, 2,500 feet above sea level to below sea level. was known for a lot of robberies and and those kind of things. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite. When he came to that place and saw him pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, uh, in our current culture, if you say Samaritan, word association, most people say good. But that wasn't what his Jewish audience would have thought. They would have thought sellouts. There was animosity and anger between the groups. Jesus intentionally picks the Samaritan here. If we want to be the love of Christ in our community, we have to drop the labels. And we have to see people as people. Remember in Ephesians, we just read that 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 every family on on earth gets its name from the Lord. There are people that are trying to make us label people and not see them as people. We shouldn't do that. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper saying, take care of him and whatever more you spend, I will pay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think provided, um, I'm sorry, which one of these three proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, the one who showed him mercy. Interesting, you didn't say Samaritan. The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, you go and do likewise. In 1 Corinthians 10, 31, it says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. How do we glorify God? We do that by loving. By loving God and loving others. So the, the first point, sorry, the, 
is that the why behind the church is love. And I'm going to jump right to the second point. Make disciples who make disciples is the mission of the church. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What is, it, what is a disciple? It's, it's, if you think about that, what is it to be a disciple? It is to be a follower of Christ. To live as Christ would want us to live. You know, a lot of times when I go to churches and they're trying to find their way, at, the first thing that we want to remind them is, why do you exist? You exist to, to love God and love others in ways that glorify God. What's the mission that you're on? To make disciples who make disciples, teaching the things that, that Christ has taught. You see, this book is not about information merely. It's about transformation. It's about a relationship shift and change. So that how we relate to God changes because of what Christ has done in our lives. That how we relate to others changes because of what Christ has done in our lives. It's by his grace, unmerited favor, through faith, but it brings transformation. So being on mission. Now, the third thing that, that we say to churches, see, a lot of times when I go to a church and they're looking for um, a new pastor, they want to know, who can you get us? And we want to slow down and first say, before we do that, first let's look at why you're here. Second, what is the mission that you've been put on? And the third question we get here in point three is, what's the power? What empowers the church to do what it's called to do? And point three here is that the Holy Spirit is the power of the church. Acts 1.8, many of you may have um, memorized this passage of Scripture. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, if you look at guys who are going to go out and share Jesus with people, what it means to follow Jesus if you read Acts, you'll find that these are, these are his disciples. They have lots of stories they could tell, right? But what they're told is, the Holy Spirit will empower you. Here's a very key principle to me. Connection before correction or direction. Make sense? So if I want to search for something on the internet, and I'm not connected to the provider... The first thing you're going to say to me is get connected. Oftentimes, people are, are trying to live the Christian life unconnected to the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Amen? And when we look at people, by the way, we should not be thinking, you should live like a Christian without being a Christian. The first thing is to point them to the life change that comes through Christ. And in our own life, to live and say, I, I, Lord, I, I need you every day to help me and empower me to witness. Point four, get an overview today. A topical kind of a church is, say is, 
Other message that I like to give in churches is the church is you and me if you know Christ as the Savior. We are the church. A lot of times I go to people, I don't like the way the church handles this. I don't like the way the church does this. I don't like the way the church does this. Like, say, who's the church? See, in America, sometimes we've got this idea that the church is a show on Sunday morning. You get, you get a cool band, a motivational speaker, and you gather, and you come, and your job is, is to go to church as if the church was some building, and then critique it. But that's, that's, that's not it. You and I, if you know Christ, you are the church. And if you don't yet know Christ, the church is welcoming you in and wants you to come join the team through faith in Christ. Amen? This is important because it was life-changing in my life. You see, I was never going to be a pastor. We can get into it, but I was really frustrated with some of the things I'd seen in the church. So I had this idea that I would just be a missionary. I was playing basketball with an organization called Sports Ambassadors. I was going to share the gospel, stay away from the church, certainly want to stay away from the American church, didn't want to feed the fatted, didn't want to go to seminary, didn't want to do any of those things. It was a longer story than we have today, but I ended up taking a couple classes at seminary while being a youth pastor. And I, and I never forget, one of the professors came and he put his hand on my shoulder and he, and he said to me this, Kevin, you think you can't be a pastor because you have an idea of what a pastor is supposed to look like. Stop. Just be who God called you to be. You think that you're not called to the American church for these reasons. But sometimes the very reasons we don't want to go are the reasons God's calling us to go. Amen. And this isn't about me, this is about you. Have you heard the lie of Satan say, you don't fit in. The church isn't about people like me. That's a big lie of Satan. First Corinthians 12, 12 through 27. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks or slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. One of the joys I had of pastoring in the Seattle area is we had like 40 nations of birth that I believe that came uh, through the year into the church building for various things, and 18 nations of birth that were in the membership. And I really believe that this is the heart of God, amen, that he's calling people from every tribe and every tongue. There, there, there isn't an African Christianity and a, and a European Christianity and an Asian Christianity. There's a Christianity, and, and we're called worship him together. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. 
If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye can't say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which your more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, that there may be no division, did you catch that? There may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Here's what I believe. George Verber said this, this many years ago, and I believe it. Most of us are educated beyond our obedience level. Right? People say to me, of course that's true. No, But we act like it's not sometimes. When we neglect to meet together, we're saying, I really don't need that part of the body. I don't really need to be around those people. You see, Christian faith is meant to be lived out in Christian community. Christ-like character is developed in Christian community. Amen? Next point. We should gather to encourage each other to love and act in ways that fulfill the mission of the church. Back to what we, we, we started at, Hebrews 10, 24, and 26. And let us consider how to spur up one another to love and good works. What is love and what are good works? We don't know if we haven't grounded ourselves in reality. Does it make sense? We have to know what the truth is because before we can know it's really loving. It's not loving to tell somebody they have cancer if they don't have cancer. It's not loving to tell somebody that they're a sinner that needs to repent and come to Jesus if they're not a sinner that needs to repent and come to Jesus. So we are grounded in, in truth. So when we know what the mission of the church is, the why is the church, then we can think about how we can encourage one another. And let us consider how to spur one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as the day is drawing near. Now, this core value is right in the core values here at Harvest. You look on, on the website, core values, uh, it says lifestyle evangelism. We believe every Christian has the responsibility and the privilege to share Christ with those around them in a personal way. Therefore, we strive to help everyone in the church develop the confidence and ability to share Christ personally, knowing that not one method fits all persons. And that has 1 Peter 3, 15. But in your hearts, honor Christ, the Lord is holy. That's the connection first. Make sure you're connected with Christ, right? Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. 
I'm giving you a lot of verses. You know why? Because the, the Bible is a lot smarter than I am. So I figure uh, that's, that's a good place to go and you can read further. 1 John 1, 1 through 4. I'm going to kind of weave these all together now in just a minute in an application, but it says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was man made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. There's a delight in the, in the church's mission. When we really experience the love of God, it'll, it'll flow through us to loving our neighbors, and we'll want to invite them in so that they will want to join, and that will be our joy to see them join. So we share Christ with a lost person, there should be a spirit of joy in it. We want you to join fellowship. And you notice here that they were eyewitnesses to the event, John was. We're not eyewitnesses to the event the way they, they were, but we have the word and we have evidence that what we speak is true. It's not just fairy tale. Now, in the last, I think about 10 minutes we have here, I want to go to application. Is that all right? Here's, here's what I, I believe firmly. We truly are educated beyond our obedience level, often. It's not just about beliefs. Timothy Initiative, I, I don't know if you've heard of that ministry. They do a, a lot of church planning around the world. They'll talk about beliefs, habits, and skills. It's not just about what we believe. What we believe matters. It needs to be grounded in truth. It makes a big difference if you believe that you've evolved from nothing and you're heading to nothing and there's no purpose in your life or you believe that you're created by a loving God, separated by sin, only restored through faith in Christ and called to be a part of a community that makes a difference in the world and as it brings people to Jesus and glorifies God. Amen? But that belief can't just stay a belief in our head. It has to become a habit in our life. They had a habit of not meeting together, he says in Hebrews. We need to develop a habit of meeting together. We need to get a habit of getting into God's word. We need to develop a habit. In the marketing world, by the way, they love to create habits because it makes them more wealthy, right? Shouldn't we develop habits that help us glorify God? Make sense? I mean, Starbucks made a lot of money by developing a coffee-drinking habit that, that goes all day long, right? What are the habits that, that you need to add to your life? And skills. Some people don't like skills, but there is equipping that we should be equipped. Amen? There's one thing I like to say in our family a lot uh, is don't try train. Don't try train. If I, if I try to run a marathon, is that going to work? No. You need to train for it. I want to, there's a lot of skills I'd like to develop, but I'd, I'd really like, because it's a new uh, church plant, 
to talk about developing the habits and skills of sharing your faith with other people. Is that okay? You're spurring each other to love and good deeds. And how do we do that? So I'm going to give you some application things. One, care about the loss. Have love and compassion for people. As I've gone to churches and talked to people, and they say, tell me about the last time you shared your faith with someone. Tell me about the last time you shared your story about how Christ made a difference in your life with someone. And what I hear sometimes is, well, I haven't really done it. And I'm not about guilt trips. Those, those don't lead us anywhere. But empowering and equipping, right? I really want to do. It's praying to have our eyes opened to see lost and hurting people. To take the time to hear their story. Amen? In Matthew 9, 35 through 36, And Jesus went through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You don't have to open your eyes very long to see people that are directionless and protectionless in this world. Um, basketball, anybody basketball players out here? When, when you're training young guys to play basketball, you don't want them to dribble like this. I'll see a guy and he'll get all these skills. He can dribble really well, but his hand's down looking at the ball. You say, you're not going to be able to play in the game unless you get your head up. I'm asking us as Christians to get our heads up. We got all this theology, we're doing this, but we're not looking around sometimes. And when we look up, the next step is pray. Care, prayer. Pray for a harvest. Pray for the harvest, the gathering of the people in the church. Pray for workers unto the harvest. Matthew 9, 37 through 38. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Would you do that? Would you say, you know, I'm going to pray here in Liberty Lake. Do you, do you think there are people who need to know Jesus? Will you pray for more workers? We at, at Converge, we're a small part of the kingdom of God, right? We know that there's not... Christ denomination, that, but we're followers of Christ are all part of the, the family, right? But we're, we're praying for a, plant, a moving of new churches in the area. These people desperately need the gospel. Would you pray with us for that? Next, would you pray for Bob? You heard this yourself. Bob, I guess this is from uh, the Timothy Initiative also. A burden for the lost. I mean, would you just put on, your, put on the habit of saying, I'm going to Ask the Lord to lay on my heart a burden for lost people, but not just in general, specifically. I believe in the leading of the Holy Spirit. I believe in the power of our sovereign God, right? You're not going to get the gospel individually to everyone, but you can be part of a team that spreads it. But you can also take your part and say, is there someone, Lord, that you would place in my heart that I'd have a burden for to see come to Jesus? The Oa Bob, 
but pray for an opportunity. Would you help me get an opportunity to do that, Lord? And then third, the B, would you give me the boldness and courage to do it? It's a key step in our walk. Colossians 4, 2 through 6. By the way, there, there's enough here for like a year's of sermons and all of these passages. I know that, but I'm, I'm praying that you'll, uh, you'll catch what you catch out of it and apply what, what the Lord would have you apply. And I, I'm hoping you're getting the overall theme of loving God, loving people, and sharing your faith with others and encouraging each other by being in a community. He said this, uh, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I'm in prison. I know Paul's writing to the church there, local church there, but there's an application for all of us. Would you commit to praying for the leadership of Liberty Lake, for Sam and others that that they would have an opportunity to share the gospel. The church would have that opportunity. We've already prayed. Pray for ourselves, but also pray for it for others. And then he said, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Oh, that people would pray for their leadership more and complain less. That would be real good. And then he says to them, no, so you don't just think of somebody else doing it. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. And then I'm going to give you just some ideas. Pick out a couple of them that work to develop new habits, or all of them. That would be great also. Would you make a list of people that you're praying for that don't know Jesus? This Set aside some time. I set a little reminder on my phone. You just go through your Facebook contacts and the other contacts and just make a list of people that you're praying for. We encourage people to, to make a list and just pray for them. Somebody challenged me. He said, if God answered every prayer that you've had for a lost people to come to Christ, how many people would be in heaven because of your prayers? I'm going to move uh, through a couple more applications for you here. And I can get you the notes, and you can look through them if they're helpful for you. Be prepared to give a reason for your hope. And um, we've already touched this, but be empowered by the Holy Spirit, Acts 1.8. Abide in Christ, John 15. He, Christ is the vine, we are the branches. Practice sharing your story. Practice sharing the gospel. Write out your testimony. What do you say when people say, I, I practice like a 45-second version of it. It goes something like this. One time in my life, God seemed very distant. My life was filled with a lot of anger and fear. There came a day when I realized that I didn't have to reach up to God or, or earn my way to him, but he was reaching down in love to me. And I put faith in Christ, and it has changed everything. And God is working in my life. And it's not perfect, but I don't live without purpose. And I don't live overcome by fear. And I don't live consumed by anger anymore. And you too. A lot of times I ask people, do you have a story like that? Instantly we know. And no longer. So practice your story. Um, practice sharing your story. 
Um, I'm not, we've already read First Peter 3.15. You can read it again. And then, do it. Just go share Christ with someone. Just go out and say, hey, I'd like to share with, with you something that's really important to me. It's made a big difference in my life. Now, for me, um, I normally start with a lot of questions. I think that's best. People are not looking to be told. They're looking to hear. And I'm not declaring to them. I'm helping them discover God's plan for their life. Right? But just do it. Now, I think that our vision of, of fishing, sometimes just one individual standing there. I think in the New Testament, when they fish, they use nets, right? It's kind of a team thing, right? But we all have part in that. True? I think one of the reasons people get so discouraged about faith, I've, I've shared Christ and, you know, I don't know, it just didn't go very well. First of all, they didn't stay in prayer. And they didn't stay, stay, stay persistent. Another time, what happens if you went out fishing and you cast your, your line in the water once, reeled it in, and went home? And somebody said, how's fishing going? Uh, I, I, it didn't work out for me. Oh, really? How, how long were you out there? Oh, about two minutes. Threw the line out, reel it in, nothing. I, think, I don't think it, it's not how you fish, right? We just pray that God would give us a heart and, and the locations and then we just move forward. I want to say this about sharing it. And I've had, um, I believe we're going to talk a little bit about the opportunity to do a little evangelism class here if you're interested. What I found is we need a huge amount of encouragement from one another. Amen. I think most people want to share their faith. First of all, there, there's there's some things we can do to be intentional how we get in the community because without contact, there's no impact. So looking for the doors that God gives us. But also know that you don't have to have all the answers. In fact, when you act like you have all the answers, it doesn't really work with people's lives. Imposed instead of saying things like someone says, um, I, I couldn't believe. I could never believe in a God who allows so much evil. We start to get nervous to answer. That's a really good question. It's it's a question in the Scripture. Why not lead with some connection? Going, you know, that's something I've struggled with too. That's a really great question. Help me understand a little bit more what brought you to that conclusion, and let them talk a little bit. And then, all I, a lot of times for people I go, I almost walked away from the faith over that question. If you, I'd like to hear. What's led you to that question? And then if we have time, I'd love to share with you why I didn't abandon my faith in Christ over it. Let's hit. Um, did you come to Christ? If you're a Christian, did you come to Christ because all your, your, your answers were, were made, done? You figured them all out? I doubt it, right? So uh, let Christ work. So here's my ending point. You don't have to know all the answers. You don't have to win an argument. In fact, I encourage you not to argue. Just share. Um, 